Have you been searching for a word from the Lord? You want to feel his presence. You want to feel his love. Well, look no further, cause no matter who you are, you're all welcome here at Rising and the Levites for blessing us on today with that selection. Amen. Open your mouth and say something. Amen. Something. <laughs> Put something in the blank. Amen, somebody. Amen. We're not trying to tell you what to say. We're not trying to micromanage your worship experience, but you ought to say something if the Lord's been good to you. If the Lord has saved your soul, you ought to have something to say. If he watched over you last night while you're slumbering and slept, you ought to say something. If he placed his angels around your bedside and woke you up early this morning, touched you with his divine finger of love, you were still clothed in your right mind. You still had the activities of your limb. You still had breath in your body. You ought to say something this morning. You ought to tell God, thank you for another day's journey. Thank you for life, health, and strength. Thank you for giving me a mindset to go to the house of the Lord. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Thank you for these iron songs we've heard on today. Thank you for the people of God in the house of God. Amen. You ought to have something to put in the blank this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. You're worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. What a great God. What a mighty God. What an awesome God uh, we serve on today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. One of the things I like about having the youth on program, I know I'm going to get more time to preach. <laughs> Amen. It doesn't take them quite as long to pray and to do all the things that they need to do. I mean, you know, but the longer you live, the more experiences you have. <laughs> I mean, you know, amazing grace hits differently at 49 than at 29. <laughs> How I many know it hits differently at 69 than at 49? Come on, somebody. Because you can look back over your life and you got a track record and you see the hand of God, how God has worked things out and how God has made a way out of nowhere. Amen. Hallelujah. Through many dangers, tars and snares, I've already come. It was grace that brought me safe this far. And the same grace, not what I did, I said grace. <laughs> yeah grace it will lead me on all right let's look at our text for today jeremiah the 18th chapter verses 1 through 10 now i'm gonna try to preach all of this today but if i run out of time stay tuned for part two next week okay <laughs> amen all right let's read from the niv you find these words recorded this is the word that came to jeremiah from the lord go down to the potter's house and there i will give you my message so I went down to the potter's house, 
and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hand. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warn repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Amen. Focusing on verse 3. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. I want to use for a subject, stay on the wheel. Stay on the the wheel. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come thanking you for another day's journey. We come thanking you for life, health, and strength. Lord, we want to thank you how you brought us safely through another week, oh dear God. Lord, in spite of all the challenges and obstacles and hurdles and things that we had to overcome, Lord, you have seen fit, oh dear God, for us to be here still in the land of the living. You have given us a mindset to come to the house of prayer. You have giving us a mindset to tune in to be a part of this service on today. And, Lord, we just pray now that you will let your man servant down deep into the storehouse of your wisdom, your knowledge, and your power. Lord, I pray that you enable me that I might be able to bring a word to these, your people. Lord, I pray that I would decrease so that you might increase. I pray that you will have your way in our midst on today. Lord, if there is someone unsaved, I pray that they will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before it's everlasting too late. Lord, I pray that the saints will be built up and edified through your word. And most of all, God, I pray that you might be glorified in all that we say and do. And, Lord, we'll be careful to give your name all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. For this we pray in the marvelous, matchless, majestic name of Jesus, our Messiah. And all the people, God, said, amen, amen, and amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. You may be seated. Stay on the wheel. Last week I talked about the word process quite a bit, and many of you told me you were blessed and helped by the message, so I want us to stay on this particular theme for a little while longer, talking about process. How many of you know that waiting time is not wasted time, amen, if you can do something in the meantime? And oftentimes, God will take us through very painful experiences. God will take us through a very painful process, amen, so that he can develop our character, amen. But oftentimes, when God takes us through these difficult moments and these difficult times, amen, we have a tendency to quit, amen, right in the middle of the process, Somebody said the best way, amen, to get to the other side is through. Let me say that again. The best way to get to the other side is through. Not around, not under, not over, but through. God wants to take you through the process. Like I said about Joseph, if you do not go through the process, 
you will not be able to handle the position once you get the promotion. Let me say that again. If you don't go through the process, you will not be able to handle the position once you get the promotion. Are you with me? So God's saying, I'm trying to develop your character so that when I promote you, you'll be able to stand in the position that I put you in so that you don't blow yourself up and people around you. Come on, somebody. God said, I got to have someone mature in that position. I got to have someone strong in that position, someone who knows how to walk with me, knows how to get a prayer through, knows how to minister to people. I got to take you through this so that you'll be qualified when you get there. Amen. So you can do this for my glory. Let me just talk about waiting for a minute. Uh, as I was waiting for Z to finish getting ready this morning, I went to my office and I looked at my John C. Maxwell devotional book. And on tomorrow, it talks about the process, how God called Moses. Moses spent 40 years down in Egypt being educated in the best schools and all of that. And then after Moses tried to deliver the people by himself in his flesh, he messed up. So he became a fugitive because he killed an Egyptian. And so he was down on the backside of the desert for 40 years. Think about it now. 40 years living in the palace, going to the best schools. Now you're not messed up. Amen. Now you got to spend 40 years on the backside of the desert, and you're going from being a prince, so to speak, and now you're a shepherd. So God is developing Moses' character, and then God calls him out of a burning bush. Think about this. So God took 80 years. Y'all don't hear me. God spent 80 years preparing Moses for his job. And Moses spent 40 years delivering the children of Israel. So it's a process. Watch this. When, when God told Abraham that he was going to give him a son, it took him 25 years later before the son showed up. When Noah preached that it's going to rain, y'all need to repent, it took 120 years later for the rain to show up. Come on, somebody. When, when, when God told Joseph and showed him in a dream that someday you're going to be in power Watch this. He spent 14 years in prison for a crime he did not commit because God was developing his character. God said, I know your final destination, but to get to your final destination, I got to take you through this process. So once I make you the deliverer, Moses, once I make you a great nation, Abraham, once I make you a prince, Joseph, amen, I got to take you through this. So what I'm saying is when God is taking you through difficult situations, don't get mad at people. Don't get mad at God. In fact, that's the time you ought to count it all joy. joy amen. James said you ought to count it all joy when you find yourself in direst temptation. Peter said no temptation has taken you. Amen. What you're going through these fiery trials is not a surprise. Amen. Because God knows exactly what he is doing. But we have to wait on God and let God work on us. Now watch this. Oftentimes when God takes us through a painful process, listen to me, we have the tendency to quit in the middle of the process. Why? Because of the pain. Let me know it's painful. Because of the hurt, the anger, the embarrassment, and fill in the blank. Amen. Therefore, God will have to reteach us. Watch this. If you quit without going through, in other words, you're going to take a shortcut. You're going to go around. You're going to go over. You're going to go under. If you take a shortcut, watch this. God will have to reteach you the lesson at a later date and maybe even in another place. Watch this. Because a lot of people think, if I just leave Rise and Star, because my problem is really Pastor Lewis and them people. <laughs> but if I can just leave this church, amen, and get in another church, it's going to be all right. Or is this joker I'm married to? <laughs> if I get rid of Larry and marry Leo, <laughs> come on. 
all my troubles will be over. Or if I quit this job and get another job, I'll be all right. Or if I leave Tucson and go to Phoenix. Or if I leave Arizona and go to Alabama. <laughs> and God said, I don't care who you're married to. I don't care what job you get. <laughs> Guess what? You're going to take this test. So you might as well suck it up and go through the process. Amen. Because you will see it again. Because what God is doing, God is trying to perfect that which he has started in us. He who which begun a good work in us, he will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, God is fine-tuning you. Amen. God is sanding off the rough places and making you smooth. Amen. Listen, you can't have a masterpiece. The Bible talks about in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, that we are saved by grace through faith unto good works. Let me repeat that. It is by grace. Nobody saved here because you've been so good. Let's just get that straight. Everybody saved by grace and it's through faith and it's unto good works. The Bible said we are his workmanship. That word in the Greek means we are his masterpiece. Watch this. You can't have a masterpiece without going through a process. William Shakespeare just did wake up one day and started writing great plays. He had to go through a process. Are, are you with me? Rembrandt didn't wake up one day and all of a sudden he could make great paintings. Are you with me? Listen, listen. Beethoven just didn't wake up one day and he became a great composer. Even Dr. King, when you hear him say that I have a dream speak, that was not the first time he made it in August 1963. He had made that speech on several occasions. In fact, he was all polished, eloquent, Given all those metaphors, I mean, he was laying it down like a brilliant theologian, like a brilliant philosopher, like a brilliant civil rights leader. And all of a sudden, Mahalia Jai said, Martin, tell him about the dream. Ain't nobody care nothing about your PhD, your big vocabulary. We don't even know what you're talking about. We ain't got no dictionary. Just tell him about the dream, Martin. And he moved from his manuscript and he got into his rhythm and started talking about the dream. I have a dream one day. Come on, somebody. It was a process. That he had to go through. As we look at the book of Jeremiah, we need to understand that Jeremiah was called at an early age, Jeremiah 1 and 5. He said, before, amen, I form you and your mother's belly. He said, I call you to be a prophet to the nation. In fact, specifically to Judah, the southern kingdom. And he preached to the southern kingdom for 40 years. During the administration of five different kings. But the people did not listen. Their rebellion caused him great pain and suffering, as well as led to his depression. Not because he had a melancholy uh, personality or dark personality. It was the fact that he loved his people so much and he loved God so much that he is known as the weeping prophet. You'll find that in Jeremiah 9 and 1. Jeremiah was crying all the time, preaching the message of repentance because he did not want his people to go into captivity. As we come to our text, Jeremiah is frustrated with the people because they were not taking heed to his message of repentance. Jeremiah kept warning them that they did not repent. God was going to send judgment, which would lead to their captivity. Theirs would be the same fate of Israel if they did not repent because God, listen to me, has to judge sin. God has to judge sin. Now watch this. You will think now that the southern kingdom, Judah, capital of Jerusalem, two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, you think they would have gotten a memo from Israel, the ten tribes, northern kingdom, capital, Samaria. You think they would have gotten a memo because in 722 B.C., the Assyrians came in and led them into captivity because of their idolatry, because they would not repent, because they would not follow God. You would think the southern kingdom would have gotten a memo, but they, but they rebelled, 
and they did the same thing. And Jeremiah saying, if you guys don't repent, God going to allow you guys to go into captivity as well. And you know the rest of the story. Now, let's look at our text. First of all, I want you to see the revelation. The revelation is my first bullet. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So first of all, I want to talk about the location. So the revelation, he said, I got to reveal something to you. But how many of you know sometimes you got too many people around you to hear God's voice? So, so he said, I got a word I need to speak to you, but you need to change your geographical location right now. You need to get in a place where you can hear my voice. So when he said go down to the uh, potter's house, he talks about go down to the potter's workshop. Now, Jeremiah, he was in Jerusalem, and God said, you need to go down to the clay fields where the potters exercise their craft. This particular, uh, these fields, amen, the potter's field was some, some distance south of Jerusalem. In other words, Jerusalem sat on a hill, and you got to go down, amen, to the, to, the, to the potter's field. And there, amen, I'm going to tell you something. He had to go beyond the valley of Hinnom. Are you, are you with me? Now watch this. Listen, sometimes we are too high and got too many people around us so we can't hear God. God said, you got to separate yourself from all these people, and you got to get down on your knee. You got to humble yourself so that you can hear from me. You got too many distractions. Okay, let me help you. Like I said, Jerusalem was the capital, okay? And Jerusalem sat on a hill. Jerusalem was headquarters. Jerusalem was the power base for the people of Judah. Are you with me? It was the spiritual power base. It was the political power base. All the aristocrats, all the who's who people, the important people, the dignitaries, they live in Jerusalem. And God said to Jeremiah, you can't hear me with all these people around sitting on the hill, the political power, the spiritual power. You need to leave all this stuff. And he used the word down twice. You need to go down. You need to go down. You need to humble yourself. You need to pray. You need to listen to me because I got a revelation that I need to share with you. You know, the Bible said God resists the proud, but he gives his grace to the humble. And not only the location, also the illustration. God speaks in word pictures. The prophet heard God speak in simple events of daily life. And we know this from the ministry of Jesus. The Bible said without a parable, Jesus did not speak unto the people. He always spoke in parables. A parable is an earthly saying with a heavenly meaning. He talked about, behold, the fowls of the air are the birds of the air. He was always talking about, amen, things of that nature. He talked about a soul went for the soul. He talked about a fisherman, follow me and I'll make your fisherman of men. He always used word pictures because God takes that which is concrete to help us to understand that which is abstract. God would take that which is tangible to help us to understand intangible things. Are you with me? God would take physical things to help us to understand spiritual things. So God often spoke through the prophets, amen, through imagery, amen, word pictures. So in Jeremiah 1, 1 and 12, he talks about the almond tree. And then in Jeremiah 13 and 14 of the same chapter, he talked about the boiling pot. And then our text today, he talks about, amen, the uh, potter working at the wheel. Now, let me just share this with you with, about African-American preaching. I shared an article with the uh, leadership team, but I'm also reading an e-book by Bonner Group. And they, 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 the book is like 160 pages. But this is what they say when people choose a church, especially in the African-American community. He said the number one reason why people join a church is the pastor. Now, they may not stay there because of the pastor, but the number one reason why they join a church is because of the pastor. And not only because of the pastor, but also because of the pastor's style of preaching. 
Talking about the African-American church. We, we like the style. His style of preaching. Come on, somebody. Number one, the style. And then the second thing, the substance of his message. The topic in which he deals with things. Are you with me? So then they said that the best way to grow people has to do with what they call expository preaching. Where you open the Bible and you systematically teach the Bible line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. They said that's the best way to teach people and raise Christians so they will know the scripture and know the Bible within context. So when a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon shows up, they won't get Bible whipped to death. In other words, you need to know some doctrine. You need to know some theology. You need to know something beside Daniel in the line there and the three Hebrew boys. You need to know some theology. You need to know the scriptures, those epistles. Now watch this. So, so they said that was the number one thing. Then they said, but second of all, in the African-American church, the strength of the pastor also has to do with the ability to tell stories. He said, African-American preachers are great storytellers because uh, that's our tradition from Africa. We were oral people. We were storytellers. Amen. We might not put a lot of stuff in writing, but we know how to tell stories. We know how to paint a picture. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? So because we were not allowed to learn how to read and write, we had to rely on our memory. And what the preacher would do, he would paint a story. Amen. Paint a picture. He would tell a story. So they became great storytellers. Are you with me? So Jesus, amen did that during his earthly ministry, and this is what he did, amen, that's what God did for Jeremiah. So we see the location, the illustration, now we see the application. Now, note, when you look at this verse, the name of the potter is not mentioned. Can you play a role in God's kingdom without your name being mentioned? Nowhere in the text it has the potter's name or address. And my, my question to you is, can you serve God when you're not appreciated or celebrated and sometimes just tolerated? Come on, come on. They left your name off the program. They didn't give you no plaque, didn't give you no certificate, wouldn't let you sing your song, wouldn't let you sit in your seat. Come on, somebody. Can you still serve God when people are not giving you high fives and patting you on the back? Come on, somebody. Can you still serve God when your name is not mentioned, when you're not appreciated, when you're not celebrated, but only tolerated? Can you still serve God? Because I do this for God. The Bible says, what shall you do? Do heartily unto God and not unto men. His name is not mentioned. Second of all, God reveals himself in strange places. God said, go down, not to the temple, not to the synagogue. He said, for this revelation, I want you to go to the potter's house. Charles E. Jefferson said this. He said, God reveals himself in strange places and at unexpected seasons. He said, for instance, once he even showed up in a stable. <laughs> yeah, some, some of y'all caught that, didn't you? Think about it. The God of the universe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Bible said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. But he didn't stop by the palace. Come on, somebody. He didn't go to the temple. Didn't go to the hotel inn. But God decided to be born in a cave. Come on, somebody. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Placed in a manger. Worshipped by shepherds. Rejects. God shows up in unexpected places. And somebody said, God, watch this. This is why most people don't, can't, don't have no spiritual discernment. Watch this. God takes his best gifts and wraps them up in plain clothing. Watch this. Watch this. God will take his best gifts and put them in a croaker sack, burlap bag, come on. Brown paper bag, come on, somebody. 
so that only those who are really spiritual and discerning can see the worth of what's in it. Watch this. Most people sitting in the church, they are not content-oriented. They are container-oriented. And that's why a lot of churches have been messed over by pastors down through the years because they were too busy looking at the container rather than the content of the character, and they got used and misused and abused. Are you with me? Okay. You remember when it was time for Israel to have a king? Saul, I mean Samuel, who was spiritual. Saul, who was crazy. God said, boy, you got to go. We got to find somebody else. Watch this. But the, the Bible says that Samuel went to Jesse's house, and he started with the oldest son, who was tall, dark, and handsome. And the Bible said when Samuel saw him, Samuel said, this got to be the king. God said, no, it ain't him. He went all the way down the line, all the boys in the house, and God said no to everybody. Samuel said, now, I know I got my orders. I know I heard God speak to me. I know God told me to come down here. Samuel said, don't don't you have another child somewhere? <laughs> he thought to himself, it can't be that little old red face, freckle face. Come on. <laughs> you, know, you know how people write you off because you don't look like they want you to look. You don't talk like they want you to talk. And you don't have the credentials they think you ought to have. And, and, and even his own daddy, watch this. Sometimes you can be hated by your own family. Even his own daddy said, it can't be him. I didn't bring him to the interview. Come on, come on, read your Bible. He was, he was not even in the house. He was out in the fields, in the pasture, taking care of the sheep. Can't be him. And as soon as David walked in, the oil began to flow. And that's when God told Samuel, he said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Okay, I can see right now I'm not going to finish this. Okay. All right, so let me, let me stop after my next uh, major bullets here. Okay, so first one was the revelation. On the revelation, I talked about the location. I talked about the illustration. Then I gave you some application. All right, here's my second major bullet, the observation, verses 3 and 4. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as he seemed best or as it seemed best to him. First of all, let me talk about the wheel. Pottery making was common in ancient Near East. Potters commonly used a wheel turned by the foot as they shaped a lump of clay with their hands. Okay? The job that the potter was working on was flawed. Watch this. But how it was flawed or what happened to it or why it happened is not stated. Let me repeat what I just said. Potter making was common in ancient Near East. Potters commonly use a wheel turned by foot as they shape a lump of clay with their hands. How do you know that we made out of clay? God formed man out of the dust of the earth and blew into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So at the end of the day, no matter how expensive the jewelry you have on, the clothes you have on, where you live, what you drive, your education, at the end of the day, you ain't nothing but a pile of dirt. It's called dirtology. That's why when I do your funeral, we say, for as much as it has pleased Almighty God, to take out of this world the soul of our beloved sister or brother, we therefore commit them back to God, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's what you're going back to, just in case you didn't know that. All right. Now, watch this. Red dust, black dust, white dust, amen, we all dust. Watch this. 
He said the job that the parlor was working on was flawed, but how or why this happened is not stated. In other words, when God is working on people, stop judging people because you don't know how God is working on them and you don't know why God is working on them. So keep your mouth shut when God is working on people. Don't be a pew prophet. Don't be a parking lot prophet. Don't be a foyer prophet. Don't be a fellowship prophet. Don't be a telephone prophet. Don't be a social media prophet. Let God do his thing. (laughs) Have you ever gone through something and people won't tell you why? Listen, and they're going through stuff, and they don't even know why they're going through stuff, but they won't tell you why you're going through something. Amen. Watch this. So we need to let God work on people. Amen. Because the truth of the matter is, not only is something wrong with them, something wrong with you too. How many of you live long enough to know that you don't have it all together yet, and you're a work in progress, and just like God is working on other people, he's still working on you. After many years of being an apostle, Paul said, not that I have yet obtained, but he said, I press towards the mark of the price of the high calling in Jesus Christ. He said, not that I've obtained it yet. I'm still a work in progress. And notice also it says, as seen best to him. In other words, he could make something else from the clay, but watch this, but not the original intent. God said, I set out. To make you a beautiful jewelry box. That was my original intent. But because you resisted and you rebelled against my hands working on you and molding you into what I originally intended for you to do, you're no longer going to be a treasure box. Now I'm going to make you a trash can. You're a vessel, but you miss God's best. The Bible says that when we get to heaven, God's going to wipe away all the tears from our eyes. Could it be when we get to heaven, we may be crying because God's going to show us what we could have been, should have been, if we would have fully yielded to him and surrendered to him. God's going to show us the warehouse of blessings and opportunities that we could have taken advantage of, but we had more sense than God, and we always rebelled against God, and we did things our way, and God said, I couldn't do it through you because every time I put my hands on you to try to shape you into something beautiful like a jewelry box, you were hard-headed. I still use you, but I use you as a trash can. Uh, Okay. Somebody said, that sounds pretty harsh, Pastor Lewis. Okay. <laughs> Anybody remember being in the military? Do I have any military people here? Watch this. If you got great marks on your performance reports and you didn't get no letter of reprimand, you didn't get in trouble, no Article 15, you came to work on time, you did above and beyond, you came early, stayed late, you went to school, you volunteered in the community. How many of you know that you can get what they call special duty? A special duty assignment. And certain assignments, they give you even extra money. Certain duties, they will lock you in for a certain period of time. They will give you a clothing allowance. You got certain benefits because you were above and beyond the rest. You had special duty and you got special privileges. But that joke is that wouldn't you come to work on time? <laughs> wouldn't iron in uniform? Wouldn't follow orders? Guess what? They didn't get those privileges. A lot of times they got kicked out. Are you with me? Well, what I'm saying is God said, you in the military, you saved. I'm not going to kick you out of the kingdom, but there are certain positions and certain blessings in the kingdom you cannot have access to because you don't know how to behave yourself. So the special duty assignment, you're not going to ever get it. That's what I'm trying to say. 
So in other words, if you don't yield, God will give you second or third best. And then the word. The word ma here in the Hebrew means ruin. The flaw was in the clay itself and not in the powder skills. Let me repeat what I said. The word marred in the Hebrew means ruin. The flaw was not in the flaw was in the clay and not in the powder skill. In other words, if you find yourself going through something, don't get mad at God because the problem is not God. The problem is with the clay. Marda suggests, Maud suggests that suggests two variations in meaning, morally corrupt or physically ruined. In other words, watch this, ministry doesn't require perfection, but it does require honesty, integrity, humility, and transparency. Because the heir is human, but to forgive is divine. Watch this. We are never more like God than when we forgive ourselves and forgive others. Why? Because we are all marred and we're all flawed in some shape, form, or fashion. Okay. Now, I'm going to regroup and I'm coming back next week. Okay? Because it's the top of the hour. But let me just close with this illustration. Because the Bible says that as he was shaping the clay... He discovered in the clay some defects, some foreign objects that the clay would not yield to his original intent. And when that happens, watch this, the potter does not throw the clay away, which means that when we mess up, God does not throw us away. So be careful about writing people off. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. No, what the potter does, he takes that same lump of clay and he smashes it, amen, and he picks it up and he throws it back on the wheel and he works on it. Again and again and again and again until it's shaped into what he wants it to be. What's this? Hang on. What's this? Oftentimes, we'll look at somebody in church and we'll think that person has it all together, especially if you're a leader or pastor because people think you're both to be perfect. Come on. We think because of a person's title, or position, or they've been saved a long time because of their education, whatever the case may be, we have this totally unrealistic ideal of what this person should be and what they should say and do. And when they don't live up to that, oftentimes we are crushed because we put people on a pedestal. That's why I said never put your pastor on a pedestal. Put me on the prayer list instead. Watch this. Oftentimes, we misjudge people and rather be in compassion with people because we look at the outside of people and on the inside, they are hurting and falling apart. Well, watch this. But the outside looks good. Now, let me give you an illustration. So, Sister Lewis and I, we, home, we went home for vacation. Okay? Now, I said to myself, Amos, you know your weakness. You know when you get back to Alabama, they're going to have those rutabagas, collard greens, cream corn, Fried okra, pound cake, red velvet cake, lemon cake, chocolate cake, Krispy Kreme donuts, cookies, cupcakes. Come on. And everywhere you go, they're going to try to feed you. You're going to come back fat as a hog. Let me go to this side. <laughs> and, you know, you know, of course, my sister passed away, so you know everybody came over with something to eat. Okay, watch this. So, so Sister Lewis and I said that when we get to Alabama, what we're going to do, we're going to get a treadmill. We're going to order the treadmill while we're in Tucson. So when we get to Alabama, we'll have the treadmill. 
a park is about two miles from our house, but anybody know anything about going back east, uh, you know, the humidity, before you get out the truck, you sweating. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Soon you walk out the house, the humidity, you sweating. So we're going to get an AC, put it in the sunroom where the AC is, and we're going to stay in shape. All right. So, so Z ordered this uh, treadmill. The treadmill comes in that big old box. I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, I hate putting, anybody beside me hate putting stuff together? Okay, so anyway, here we are in the family, in the sunroom, putting the treadmill together. And, and Gerald, I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I stood back, I looked at that treadmill and said, yeah. Yeah, we did this. Yeah. <laughs> Plug the thing up, and the thing went to do nothing. I, I was so mad, I went back through the instructions. I said, I know I hooked this thing up right. Not only that, listen, I went to YouTube. Watch it on YouTube, them putting it together. I said, I know I put it together right. Still couldn't get no power. Guess what? I called the company because y'all sent me a bad treadmill. Need to come back and get this treadmill because I know I put it together right. Yes, it looks good. I was sitting, Z out shopping. I'm sitting at the house, and, and, and God just whispered to my spirit. He said, there's a disconnect. I said, a disconnect? He said, yeah, the reason you ain't got no power because there's a disconnect. He said, it looks good on the outside, but it ain't got no power on the inside. There's a disconnect. Now, how I many you know I didn't want that revelation? I had to go in there and Take that thing apart again. Make it over again. Put it back together again. And watch this. And between the top of the treadmill and the bottom of the treadmill, it has this cord, a plug, at three prongs, and that you got to stick into the, you know, the bottom into the top. And then you got power. But what happened was two of them went in and the third one was up like this. <laughs> guess what? Once I fixed the third one, put all three in there, guess what? Baby had power, power, wonder working power. And God is saying, listen, a lot of you look good on the outside. You think you follow the instruction. You YouTube that, you talk to other people, but you still ain't got no power. What you need to do is get on the wheel, stay on the wheel, let me work on you. Stop complaining, stop asking your friends and neighbors. You need to stay put and let me work on you. Because I want to make something beautiful out of your life. That's it. Come on, let's get Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray this message has encouraged your heart and renewed your spirit. If this message has been a blessing to you, please share it with everyone you know. If you would like to help support the ministry, spread the gospel, and assist in funding community service projects at Rising Star, visit our website at www.risingstarbaptist.org and click the yellow donate button. Or zell us at finance at risingstarbaptist.org. Or mail in your love offering at Rising Star Missionary Baptist Church, 2800 East 36th Street, Tucson, Arizona, 85713. We look forward to you tuning in again. Remember, Rising Star Baptist is a local church with a global reach. Oh.